Hey friends, today we're talking with some family members about chickens. This is Lacey's sister and our brother-in-law. They're new to the world of chickens, homesteading, and have a bunch of meat birds in their backyard and now are ready to process them. They're asking me questions and I said, hey, you know what, let's do a podcast episode about this and so everybody can benefit. So join us as we dive into the world of chickens and the meat birds and answer some of those common questions that come up. Hey friends! Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling, self-sufficient family homestead. We go back to basics in all things family, faith, and farming, and we're eager to teach you what we've learned. Everything from growing a garden to earning an income to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle. We're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too. Hey everybody, it's me and Drew, Lacey and Drew, and today we have a really fun Ask Drew and Lacey session because my sister and her husband Paul are joining her my, my sister's Ivy so so you know but it should be a really interesting conversation we have struggled to not be completely candid so hopefully we won't get too off track but I'm glad you're not in the same room with us because the volume would probably continue to go up and up and up and up as it generally does when we're together when so. you start multiplying right Myers <laughs> that's our main name anyway so I'm really excited. They actually, this is their first year with chickens. They live in the, in the suburbs, literally. They're in a subdivi- subdivision with how much acres? Do you guys have one acre? This one acre, yep. One acre. And they got chickens this year, as a lot of people did, I think, in the midst of COVID. They're like, oh, well, we'll just get chickens while we're home all the it's time. Like, like the COVID puppy, but. The well, they got that too, though. got that too. They've turned their their yard into a barnyard, and I think the neighbors are okay with it at this point, right? Well, we don't, <laughs> they are not, so... We haven't had any complaints, though no. we have tried to uh, minimize loud breeds. Right, right, right. Okay. okay. All right, well, let's go ahead and get started. They've been questioning and prodding us all along, so I'm curious what questions they even have left, but we'll, we'll see what, where this goes. Yeah. <laughs> so what is the best thing to feed them? Because... Mm. Well, first, how many chickens do you guys have? Let's kind of lay some groundwork. So yeah, we have our 12 hens, which we feed now layer feed because they're pretty much all laying. Mm-hmm. And then our broiler chickens, we have 13. Started mm-hmm. out with 15. One was dead in the box. And we, then we ordered 15. We got 14. Yeah. So and anyway, a dead corpse. <laughs> and then we had to recently take care of one Paul took care of that I didn't really that was a fun phone call (laughs) yeah that was traumatic for our children definitely that one there was something wrong with it and I don't even know what but I don't know how it's foot it's one foot was like behind it like so that the chicken sitting on the ground the foot's like going off and the off like to the backwards it's Mm -hmm. looked very uncomfortable and it was just getting progressively worse and it was sitting in its own poop and yeah it was gross yeah, so it probably broke its leg. It may have, yeah. yeah. Either, so yeah, either that or something in the head. I don't know. But anyway, so we've, I've seen different types of feed, like specific broiler feed, but like we've just fed ours only the the chick grower, grower yeah. feed, organic, of course. And then they free range around our yard um, as much as possible. If they're filling up to it, they're lazy. They are very... Chicken. Okay, so what variety of broilers did you guys get? The Cornish Cross. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And all of it you're describing is kind of like standard, like run of the mill activity for chickens, Cornish cross chickens. They often will struggle with their legs because they grow so fast in their, their breasts, particularly, but they have a nice double breast. They do. And that's what makes them, you know, a good meat bird, but um, they are known to have some of those like major issues. There's a lot of like genetic potential problems with Cornish crosses for that reason. One of the things you can do to, and we, I know we talked about this before, but you can, to mitigate that problem some is to really ration Mm -hmm. their feed. They're designed to just eat nonstop. Mm -hmm. And the starter that you're feeding them, is it like 20% protein? Yeah. Yeah. 20. It's what we've been feeding our chicks. We just bought the same stuff that we bought that we were buying for our chicks when they were, you know, yeah, so typically you'll feed them the starter for two weeks, and then you'll go to broiler. Broiler is generally about 18%. I protein. think that was a difficult thing because we couldn't – we've been buying organic at Tractor Supply, but, like, I didn't really know where to go. I can't, I, I can't find There was no feed. organic broiler feed. It's a lot harder to find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that like was frustrating because that's the priority. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like, how can I say I'm eating free range organic chicken if my chicken didn't eat organic? Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You are what you eat. So that was really important to me. And I'm like, well, you we are what you you eat, eat, Michael Pollan. Right. Yes. <laughs> so I was like, well, if we can't find organic broiler, then we'll just use continue with the chick feed because yeah, yeah. At least they knew it was organic. But and they seem to be doing just fine. I mean, they're massive. Yeah, yeah they'll probably eat whatever you put in there and That's eat enough of it to be satisfied, but it doesn't mean they're probably getting everything they potentially could be getting from a better food choice. But, you know, I would stick personally, I would probably stick with the organic grower just because you can't find organic broiler but you probably can kind of investigate in your area a little bit more we actually we get ours from a local is it called a mill or yeah yeah a local mill that produces all the feed that most of the feed that we give to our animals grains of all kinds oats sunflower seeds barley what else do they carry all of it of everything yeah all organic and they sell all over the state north carolina yeah so i would think if you looked at their website you could locate a store that sells their stuff if you didn't want to make the drive all the way over to their location that's probably what we'll do like next go around if we decide to do this again i think we'll probably do a little bit more research about where to get you know organic local feed and you know what i mean like we weren't really i don't think we were just we weren't thinking about it so and it gets it gets pricey you figure it out right that's the best way to learn in my opinion it gets better every time the first time we did it we put them all we had 50. This was at when we got Cornish for the first time. We put, I was going to say you're skipping a few rounds yeah, we because had, we've done several heritage breeds yeah. that make very small carcasses and meatless carcasses. <laughs> so we decided in the, in the long run that Cornish cross was really a better option for us. But it, we've tried Jersey Giant. What was the other one? Uh, free Range? Free Freedom Rangers, Rangers do Rangers. as good as Cornish cross. Did they? Yeah. But we had 50 of them in one coop. Mm, and, that's a lot. Yeah, they started eating each other. So, oh, okay. oh it, was, it was gross. That's a lesson you only need to learn once. Yeah, there'd be ones like uh, still alive, but the other ones had like hollowed out the backside of them. If they see red, oh. the chickens will peck at it. So it doesn't matter what's going on. But if they see red on anything, a, a chicken on the ground, anywhere, they will peck at it. So yeah, we learned that 
because one of our egg-laying hens was attacked by the dog and she ripped out a bunch of its feathers. Yeah. Yeah, that was rough too. And we had to isolate it because they were just they were pecking at her and we're like, yeah, yeah we can't do this. This is not yeah. mm-hmm. um, But she survived and she's doing better. So how did you know <laughs> how did you know how much space to have for a certain amount of chickens? Like you said you had 50 chickens and then you ended up spreading them out, or like did you have them over well, they you know were what I mean? fine like, our, at first. What would be our max? Mm. I don't really want to do more than like what we've done. I think what, what we've done now has been a good number, but like, you know, I'm like, well, should we do less or should we do more next time? Or, you know what I mean? What's the Are you average? moving them? Are you re- like moving their fence and them around your backyard or is they're just stationary? So the fence we have around our chicken shed that they're all in at night. And then during the day we let them out and they free range around our whole yard. Oh, okay. So we don't really move the fence because we don't really need to. We just let them go around our yard, and it, it seems to work out work out fine. Although they don't, I wouldn't say they don't say go that far. They go <laughs> not as far as our hens. Our hens are a little not bit far from the feeder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like with chicken math, uh, at this point, I, at one point, I like knew the actual numbers, but at this point, it's just kind of a visual thing. Okay. I know. I know from like a processing standpoint, twenty five is like a nice amount to process in like half a day or less. You know, with the system we have. Yeah, yeah. when you start getting up like above twenty five, it starts getting to be a lot. So you know, we've done as much as three hundred in a day, and that, that that was a day. A, that was a long day. It was a big group of people, but it was a lot of chickens, and it doesn't really even matter how many hands you have on deck. It still takes so long to do that many chickens. Yeah. Um, so you guys said that you your preferred Cornish cross, at least that's what I think you said. Yeah. What what was the other breeds you've tried? Because I've been reading up and I I, want to try the the French Bress or Brazé. It sounds cool. (laughs) Described as the as the Kobe beef of chicken. Oh, so that makes me really curious, too. I would want to try that also. I don't think there's any rule. It's kind of like you know, this works. We have access to ordering the chickens um, pretty easily through a friend of ours that also raises chickens. And then, you know, it really just kind of boils down to for a little while, it was difficult to even get your hands on broilers and we could still get them from there. So that's sort of where we landed, I think, mainly with corner. Car- and we've had good experience in terms of the outcome of how much each carcass has. And it's really important for, you know, to la- think of the end product in terms of like, okay, what's your goal? Is your goal to experiment and have fun? That's awesome. I think that's important and one of the best parts of doing this lifestyle. But if your goal is to fill the freezer so you don't have to shop anywhere else, then you need to think about it just a little bit differently. So there may be great meat on that bird, but there may be just not that much meat on that bird, right? So it might not be your family staple. It might be a specialty that you have just as a side item. Um, but if you're really trying to replace any meat that you're buying at the store, then you need to be thinking about what's the what's the max output for kind of minimum in- input if that makes sense so i mean i really like it kind of boils down to feed conversion yeah like if you get if you get really into farming like what you're putting into them how much mm-hmm. meat are you getting back and how long does it take to get there so is it you know an eight week a 12 week grow out like it just really kind of depends on what your goals are and sometimes it's better to have smaller birds and sometimes you can like especially if you're going to sell and you could sell that specialty bird for more it makes more sense to to do that than to do the Cornish cross, which is a pretty standard. I do like the fact that they're like, you know, you start them and then within like two months, they're ready to basically. That, and that's, 
that's or er, corners cross are the fastest mm -hmm. like from there you just like freedom ranger i would say we've done we nine weeks yeah they're like nine to 12 weeks mm -hmm. and then like jersey giants is another breed we did that's a heritage breed mm -hmm. they took like i want to say like four months i mean it, yeah. and it was still it was super tough meat it was very bony uh so like it, it kind of like in all of our experience the the best feed conversion, the juiciest, like best bird is the Cornish cross. If you can ration their feed and keep them like moving, like if you go out in the pasture, ours move pretty well. Like they're, mm -hmm. they're in pretty good shape, but mm -hmm. like limit their feed. Like we're weighing their feed on a daily basis to make sure they're getting enough, but not too much. But yeah, I, that's, uh, that's another question I have is about how much to feed him because he said that he read that you're supposed to do 12 hours on and 12 hours off or whatever. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I'm like, well, ours seem massive. And I mean, they're, they're, they're getting around fine and they're fine, but like, except for the one, except for that one. <laughs> yeah. But like, what, I mean, have you just figured out a conversion just like from your own experience or was it like you looked it up somewhere? Well, he had a chart. Yeah, no, there's lots of charts on there. So you kind of like incrementally go up week by week on how much you feed them. But then like we're doing sprouted grain to kind of supplement the grain grain. So we'll take like wheat or barley and sprout it in the greenhouse and seed trays. And then half of their feed ration is that, which helps them, the fermentation helps them process it or digest it better. It's like they're processing it like a grass then. Okay but it also cuts down on our feed bill. Do you prefer that over straight up corn? Yeah, corn's not like, there's not really any animal that's meant to eat corn. So you start- Especially not the corn we get today. Yeah, you start getting diseases it's even early on. too much sugar, not enough protein. So it's a tricky, it's just, they like it. I think I think our chickens- I've never good. tried sprouting it though. I don't- That can, might be a Can you sprout idea. it? Yeah. I guess if it's not treated, I don't. Do you think it makes a big difference? Like when, you know, when you have like a grass fed cow and, you know, the grass fed, grass finished, you know, taste, do you think you can get that same sort of effect with the chicken, like grass fed or non-corn fed, sprouted grain fed? Do you, have you actually noticed the difference in the flavor of the meat? That's an interesting question. I know that a lot of people will look for chickens and eggs that are from, like from hens that haven't had, yeah, gluten-free GMO free. So I don't know how much of that transfers through to the meat, but I definitely think that what, you know, like you said earlier, what you eat, you know, you are what you eat and the same goes for what you're eating and yeah. the, the better it is, the more nutrition it is for them, the more nutrition it will be for us in terms of flavor. I think that, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions about what tastes good and what doesn't taste good because our palates have been so acclimated to this one same thing over and over and over again when really adding layers of diversity is going to be huge and, and better for us long term because if you think about chickens like in the wild there's no like they're not getting the same grain all the time right like a turkey that you hunt is not eating all the same things all the time so adding diversity is always going to be better i think in the end for the nutri nutritional value i do think that because of the way our tastes have developed, it's similar to like, okay, some people don't like venison because it's too gamey. Well, it's probably because they're tasting the flavor of the the wild, basically, that their their palate isn't used to anymore. So it, it, I would think it has an impact. For that sure. is true too. Like with ours, we move them. It's, I forget what that chicken tractor is. I think it's like eight feet by five feet. So mm -hmm. that's the, the footprint of it. And right now we're in wheat seven so they're moving twice a day 
But when we pull that forward, like they're chasing all the grasshoppers and bugs mm -hmm. and stuff, you know, on that new swath. So they're getting a lot of different things than, you know, what can come in the feed. Supplemental. Supplemental yeah. kind of things, which makes me think like, even with you guys, like uh, the next time you do a round, maybe think about, you know, like sectioning it off so that they're like in one section and then move to a new mm -hmm. section so they can get kind of more diversity of what's on the ground. And we've yeah. done it where we kind of do like a U off from the coop in one direction and then an off in the other direction and then off kind of kind of like know. a wagon wheel. Exactly. Yeah. So how long do you how long do you or how you said you move it every two days? We move it twice twice, twice a, day. a day right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they're on it for like six hours and then you go out there and you move it again. And then you leave it, you know, obviously you leave it at night, right? Yeah. You're in the middle of the night to do right. it right like the Unless girl you do it i don't know yeah the girls just went out and moved it like what an hour or two yeah. ago uh, okay so this is something your kids can do because mm -hmm. i'm thinking it'd be great you know i mean like and our our girls have been pretty involved in it gabriel's a little bit more like eh, about it but i'm like <laughs> you know everybody needs to at least take turns like you know feeding them and filling up the food and you know what i mean it needs to be something that everybody is involved in not just I imagine he's going to be very involved on processing day. Well, I mean, I, he was so super stoked about it. Although, one, like when we got chickens, he was like, "We really want to get meat. I really want to get meat chickens." And then he, you know, he really wanted to do the whole butchering process. And I'm like, "What is wrong with you, kid?" But I mean, just find it fascinating. Some kids really like. We've had lots of different kids. It's out the here. best anatomy lesson you can have, right? Because right. you're like, yeah. even every time I do it again, I'm like, "Oh, that's right. This is we have this too. We don't have that." You know, like it is a. It's a learning experience, hands-on learning, you know, better than dissecting a frog, right? Because then you can eat it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could eat the frog if you really wanted to. I mean, if you were. <laughs> Might taste like formaldehyde. Not all that formaldehyde. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yummy. Speaking of processing day, what's the, um, that's sort of what we're almost coming up to here soon. And what's like your, you know, ideal time frame? Obviously it depends on the breed, but like, it, it, do you keep it like, down to the like hey we're almost to 10 weeks or are you like oh it's eight weeks let's do it tomorrow no we just look at the chickens and wait okay. until they look like they're ready we heard to an process. interesting story at the home centers of america this week where the guy had he didn't he didn't have it set up to process his chickens when they were ready he didn't have the equipment and he went to order the equipment and it couldn't come for like six weeks or something so oh, he no. had these chickens for like six extra weeks so they were giant and they were cornish cross and they were cornish cross so they were huge and they were like the size they of i know i was gonna say <laughs> i know right they they can't have like heart attacks and stuff but but anyway so he had these giant like 10 pound chickens and in order to sell them he like rebranded them as the with the big busted holiday holiday hen or something yeah. like that because <laughs> they were so big no one would buy this 10 pound chicken because nobody wants a 10 pound chicken that's usually more than any family will you know like that's turkey size right so when he rebranded it it worked and he was able to sell it but it's just something you have to realize like yeah you kind of need to be ready for the end before you even start but and the only reason that that's hairy is because there are some important pieces that make chicken processing like a thousand percent easier especially if you're doing 10 to 20 at a time because plucking chickens takes is very tedious work if you don't have yeah. a plucker yeah i can imagine that would take a long time the first year we had a drill attachment that lane made it was like a pvc pipe and it, he took rubber bungee cords and stuck them out so they're like fingers it was really brilliant it was brilliant but... and then it had a long bolt that went into the end of the drill so you take this 
drill and squeeze a drill down as fast. It was like a high speed drill. And so then all these rubber flappers would flap around. And when they were mm-hmm. flapping around, you take the skull of the chicken and push it against the rubber flappers <laughs> and that would flap off. So you had to have the, a, you had to have a chicken holder and you had to have, uh, we, uh, a stri- yeah, we, in the end. um, yeah, we ended up zip tying the trigger, but then like, as you would press the chicken against this flapper, all the chicken juice, this hot, like scalding oh. juice would be just flying all over you. And you're like, ah, <laughs> like, <laughs> but that was all we had, you know, it was like that or do it by hand. Yeah. Oh, it was so gross. I could smell chicken for like weeks after that. But there are really cool things popping up, like kind of across the country of people who own the equipment and rent it out for people. So you don't have to go all in and buy a plucker oh, and a scalder right. and, you know, all the equipment you need. Those are really the two main things. Coming. Did you buy one after that? You're like, that's it. We're buying it. We're buying then we went in as a group and we bought a plucker so that we could use that and have it whenever we needed it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah the, I would say the plucker is number one. Number two is the scalder. Like you can get away with like a like the Thanksgiving turkey fryer <laughs> pot and burner, and try and keep the hot water going that way. It's but it's hard to keep a temperature. What you get the water gets really really dirty. So and it's such a small amount of water that it gets pretty gross towards the end. And yeah, like Lacey said, it's hard to keep it. And then you have to wait, like if you're going to dump it out, you have to wait for it to get to, to boil or to the right temperature again. And it's what's the good. difference between like the, a turkey fryer and a scalder? Like, what does it look like? Scalder has a thermostat. So it kind of maintain, regulates the it's temperature. It's a big pot of water. It's ju- it's much bigger. It's like, I don't know how many gallons. It's like, um, like a like witch's cauldron. <laughs> Kind of, but it's stainless steel. It's stainless steel. It yeah. And it's just a big, uh, okay. it's like a big cube. Like it's, it's I don't know, three maybe? feet. No, it's not insulated. It's like three feet by three feet in the, uh, and three feet deep, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And then the burner on the bottom is like this massive gas burner that keeps it hot. Mm-hmm. So, so you can do more than one chicken at a time. You could, yeah. Yeah, if you have enough people. So like typically we have one person at each station the evisceration station has two people and that that everybody (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i i feel like with that we generally the whole flow keeps up but yeah sometimes there's a pile up in evisceration it just depends on how well they're plucked usually because if you get a bird out of the scalder too quick the the feathers won't all come out then you have to spend more time trying to get the feathers out and you know it's all but if you scald too long you actually start to cook the bird right and then it's like really close so here's here's a question all right chicken storage bags what's your recommendation where to get what i'm looking for they make these shrimp wrap shrimp wrap bags shrink 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 wrap bags (laughs) like what shrimp what (laughs) anyway so we've done it every which way we've used a food saver we've used just straight ziploc bags even i think we've used um I don't even remember, but these Ziploc or these paper bags. No, no, the shrink wrap (laughs) bags are the best. They're plastic. And if you get the right size, it's just about the same size as a chicken. And then you zip tie that and you stick it in the the hot water again. And just for a second and it scooches it out and pushes out all the air. It's it's more like what you get from the grocery store. Yeah, more. Yeah. That shrink wrapped kind of look. For a frozen. I was wondering how you get it to seal so tightly. You actually put a straw in the top that allows the air to come out mm-hmm. as it shrinks oh, and then okay. pull it tight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And how much of the whole process do your children actually help with? 
Like, 100%. 100%. I think the last time we did the shrink wrapping ourselves just because it was, they were doing something else, like cleaning the house or, you know. Abraham even does it? What does, he guts. Do? what does he do? He'll dip the chickens and the scalder is usually the best job for him. He also asks a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's really good at asking questions like, what's that? And what's that? And why are you doing that? Every kid can be a chicken catcher. So yeah. somebody has to bring the chickens to the cone. And so it doesn't matter what age they are, they can do that. Well. I, I would say even Graham could do that. Graham's how old for? Yeah. I don't think he could lift the chickens. They're pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> we'll see. But yeah. Tried, but they're a bit on the big side. He can't lift the egglet hens. <clears throat> He's tried. Some really? He can, but That's yeah. <laughs> Well, as soon as they can pick up a chicken, then they can do the yeah. catching of the chicken. Last time, Naomi wanted her job to be opening the cage door, opening and closing the cage door. Yeah, I was it, huh? Yeah, she's not. She didn't, she didn't get away. None with of that. the other stations <laughs> appeal to her at the moment. But right. listen, to be fair, she was out here helping Drew skin out a sheep like a week ago. So that's true. She's you know she has her moments. <laughs> I've read that the night before you you process, you shouldn't, or the day before you shouldn't feed them. Yeah, yeah, that's a good rule. I I like the don't feed them and then toss them a little bit of feed right before you slaughter them so that their crops are full and then it's easy to find their crops. Which is their guts, right? Yeah. No, it's like a little like little, a little pouch in their mouths that they hold the food in. If you don't, if it's empty, then it, it's clear and it's really hard to find. Mm. If it's got food in it, you can like grab it and pull it out. But if it rips open with all that food in it, then you've got all that like chewed food. Half chewed food. Half chewed food. Yeah. Kind of everywhere. Oh, so you don't want to, I know that you, when you cut it open, you want to not cut it to the point where you're cutting the, like the guts open because you don't want that all inside your chicken, right? Like the intestines and stuff. It right. comes all out. You just stick your hand up in there and catch it like that and pull it off. It's like perfectly out. a handful. And it's really nice to do. Like we'll probably be doing ours like when it's cooler. So that the carcass is nice and warm. Stick your hand up in there. And that's what I like to do in visceration station. And then the thing you grab that you grab that from the inside or do you grab that from the head? Like from that's the on the outside. It's like right below the neck. It's kind of all connected though. So you kind of grab it and it should all kind of come together. And don't you cut the head off? Or do you yeah. just cut the throat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We slit the throat and then after they're dead, cut it, cut the heads off. But then okay. they have their whole neck and the crop is like at the bottom of their neck, like at the base of their body. Oh, okay. What happens if you don't take that out? The crop? Oh. It's, I think I missed a few last time and we're still kicking. So I don't, yeah, know. I don't know. You just don't want to eat it. I, I think mm -hmm. the main thing is if there's food in it, you kind of don't want to eat that. So you're really trying to get the food out of there. I don't think there's anything other than it's like, it's like just tissue, like, like an intestine or something like that kind of feeling, which, yeah. you know, we eat intestine on like hot dogs and all other kinds of things all the time. So I don't think there's any danger in eating it. It's just one of those things where if that, that, if that chewed up, food is in there it could change the flavor when you're cooking it here's an off-ball question for you Lacey have you guys looked into getting one of those all black chickens <laughs> what what I do you no, no but I mean I feel like we need one like their skin's black too right everything skin meat guts not the eggs apparently the meat Everything. What? yeah look it up it's pretty cool I feel oh. like you should get some, Paul. Yeah, Paul, come on. You're you're gonna be our heritage. It's not cheap, so 
rare birds. I like cheese. Sure. I've seen them on Facebook, and I almost bought one, but I'm like, at this point, we kind of have to get <laughs> to a minimum. You know, I will point out that she's the one that keeps up in the flock, not me. No, I, mean, I just want, our, especially like with your egg production, it's like you want to have all the varieties of colors and shapes. I know, I know, like the I rainbow know. colors. Well, we for the first time have, um, what kind are they? Americana. Yeah. yeah. And so we, yep. we have green eggs for the first time ever. It's so exciting. It is cool. It's just cool. One of our bantam chickens is laying and the eggs are like this big. They're so tiny. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. They're perfect. You don't want like a whole egg. You just want like half an egg to eat. So does that happen? <laughs> anyway, sometimes. Right. Well, I feel like we've given everybody a lot to chew on, including you, about chicken rearing and processing and yeah. all of those things kind of got, got a little gorier than i thought we might sorry yeah, that's the reality of that's, chicken processing that's the truth yeah but anyway thanks guys for hopping on this call i can't wait to share it with everyone and i'm truly deeply thrilled that you have followed in my footsteps and <laughs> are raising chickens in your backyard Next thing you know, I, it'll be a couple goats and some. I'm gonna say we did this independently. <laughs> <laughs> you would say that, Paul. You would. <laughs> no influence for me at all. I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, we'll talk to y'all later. Okie dokie. Bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode. We got a little bit crazy with the whole meat chickens. Listen, if this is something you got questions about, you need a little extra help, we'd love to help you. If you check out theschoolhouselife.com, we've got two options. We've got the Academy, which is our monthly program where we help homesteaders like you get started in homesteading. The other option we have is a homestead audit. So maybe just a, one time you want to get a little bit extra advice, pick my brain, Lacey's brain for an hour on what's going on on your homestead and let us help you create a plan, an actionable plan forward. We'd love to help you with that. If you go to theschoolhouselife.com, both of those options are up there in the menu and we'd love to chat with you more about it.